Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. All right, everybody, good morning. Are you guys excited to be in church today? Our teenagers that just got back from summer camp, they are excited. That's a fact. And all of their amazing leaders, so grateful for them. Now, I know that all of you pay really close attention to the, to the video that's up here during our, our halftime. And some of you are sitting there going, she said the welcome to church party is every second Sunday of the month. And Pastor Carrie said it's today. And some of you are doing the math and realizing this is the first Sunday. Well, listen, we changed it up on you because today we want to have the welcome to church party, get to know you a little bit better. But next week, how many of you know what is happening next Sunday? Summer Blast! Hey, if you have not been with us and you have missed out on this announcement, next Sunday, directly following second service, we are holding what we call our Summer Blast. And it is a epic party that you are going to want to be a part of. I'm telling you, we're gonna have bounce houses and snow cones and churros and balloon artists. And we're giving away a free fidget spinner to every child that comes. And I'm telling you, this is a game changer. I was inviting my neighbors and the little boy goes, fidget spinners? He was so excited about this. So this is a great opportunity for you to invite your friends, send out a text message. In fact, you can text invite and we'll send you a digital invitation to your phones and you can send it out to everybody you know and invite them to come and be a part have some fun with us after second service it's going to be awesome it's going to be a blast literally right but hey if you're here with us for the first time again welcome that was my good-looking husband that was on the stage just earlier and I have the privilege of getting to speak this morning as we're in the close we're coming to a close of our freeway series And if you haven't been here, I just want to challenge you, go back and listen to the podcast. We record every single week so you can stay caught up even if you're out of town. But I'm telling you, this series that we've been in the middle of has been a game changer. It's all about freedom. It's all about walking out freedom in our life. And I I just want to encourage you that you, me, we don't have to be slaves to our hurts, habits, and hangups because Jesus died so that we could experience the freeway. And that's what this series has been all about. In fact, if you've missed anything, I just want to take a moment and catch you up because today I really believe that the message is for some people in this room. And so I just want to encourage you to lean in for the next 30 minutes and lean in and just say, God, what do you want to speak to me today, right? You see, we've been talking about these steps towards freedom. That's the ultimate goal is freedom. And the first step, the first week, we talked about awareness. And awareness increases when hurry decreases. And hurry decreases when contentment increases. And when we begin to slow down and become more aware, we begin to discover that there's some busted up and broken pieces in our lives that God wants to bring freedom to. And as we begin to discover those things, we talked about in step three, ownership. 
And what that means is I, as I discover these areas in my life that have been a struggle or maybe a place of pain, I've got a choice to make. Am I gonna run from the issue or the problem? Am I gonna try to hide from it and ignore it, pretend like it's not happening? Am I gonna place the blame on someone else for what has happened in my life? Or I can take step number three and take ownership. And that means that the situations I've walked through may not be my fault, but they are my responsibility. And last week, Pastor Kerry preached an incredible message on forgiveness, just talking about the power of forgiveness in our life. And the pathway to freedom always goes through the door of forgiveness. And today, I just wanna to talk to you about the concept of acceptance, of understanding your true identity. So would you do me a favor? Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes and I'm gonna pray and get us started. Lord Jesus, I come before you right now. God, I thank you for every person who's here today. God, I just pray in Jesus' name, God, that you would speak to our hearts. God, I never take it lightly, the moments or the opportunities to share your word. And God, I just pray that today, even as I share a message that's been prepared, God, that your Holy Spirit would speak through me directly to the hearts of each and every individual who's here today. And would you open our eyes to see and our ears to hear exactly what you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Hey, before I jump into the scripture, I don't wanna to forget to take a moment and, and give honor where honor is due. And I need you to help me with this movement, church. Um, my mom is visiting today on the front row. And she's amazing. She got to be here for my birthday that was yesterday, and we just had a great time. I'm so grateful for her. We wouldn't be where we are today without you, Mom. So thank you for, for all that you have sown into our lives. We love you. So really, she doesn't get to be here all the time, so I have to take a moment and honor her, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, I want to start out this morning with a story from the Bible. And uh, this is one of the most messed up stories in Scripture, to be honest with you. And I just want to encourage you, when you feel like your family is just a little bit jacked up, like, my family is crazy, y'all. When you feel that way, you need to go and read the Bible. Because I'm telling you, there are so many stories in the Bible that are just crazy what happens in these stories. And I, it will make you feel so much better about your own family. It really will. And today I, I want to tell you a story that starts in the book of Genesis. And it begins with a guy named Isaac. And Isaac marries a girl named Rebecca. And Isaac and Rebecca, they have two sons. They're twins. And they have these two sons. And the escapades of these two boys are the kind of material that hundreds of sermons are written about. And today I'm going to tell you a little bit of a different story than maybe what you've heard before. But these two boys, they're named Esau and Jacob. And Esau is the oldest of the two twins by like two minutes. But those two minutes, man, they did a lot for him. Jacob is the youngest. Because you see, in the Bible times, the oldest, the oldest boy would receive what they would call the birthright. And that may not make sense for you today, but let me just put it in terms that we understand. The oldest son always got the birthright, which meant the power and the money. The power and the money. I think these are two things that a lot of people are chasing after today, right? And so here we have these two boys growing up in a home and Jacob, the younger son, he has a hard time because his father kind of neglects him. He favors Esau a lot. 
And, and Jacob grows up and has a, a pretty good relationship with his mom, but it's a little bit codependent. It's kind of awkward when you read the story. And, and then he fights with his brother all the time, a lot. Like, they just fight a lot. And what happens actually in the story is that Jacob, one day, he deceives Esau out of his birthright. He convinces Esau to give him his birthright, which means that Jacob now has the power and the money. And Esau is ticked. Esau is ticked off, and so he vows to kill his younger brother. And like any younger brother, when the older brother vows to kill him, he runs, right? And so he runs and he takes off to go and live with his mother's brother, his uncle Laban. Are you following me here with the family tree? Feel free to sketch it out if you need to. There'll be a quiz before you leave. But here we go. Jacob goes to live with his mother's brother, his uncle Laban. And that's where we're going to pick up in the scripture today in the book of Genesis chapter 29 verse 16 through 25. So if you're following along with the notes, the scripture is in there. If not, you can follow along on the screen. It says this, now Laban had two daughters. The older daughter was named Leah and the younger, hold on, I read that wrong. The older daughter was named Leah. I didn't read that wrong. And the younger one was Rachel. And it says this, now there was no sparkle in Leah's eye. Now, this has lots of different translations in the Bible, but basically what this means is that the older daughter, Leah, was hit with the ugly stick, okay? Now, before you go judging me, I didn't write the story. God wrote the story. It's his story, so don't get mad at me. If you need to send an email, it's god at theocmovement.com, okay? He'll respond. So here we go, and, and Leah, she's, she's just not as pretty as her younger sister, Rachel, and it says that Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. And since Jacob was in love with Rachel, he told her father, remember it's his uncle, which is weird in and of itself, I'll work for you for seven years if you'll give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. Agreed, Laban replied. I'd rather give her to you than to anyone else. Stay and work with me. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel, but his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him but a few days. Now, in our culture, we think, oh, isn't that so sweet? He's so romantic. I mean, this is like a, something we turn into a romantic comedy nowadays, right? And Jacob would be played by probably Ryan Gosling or something like that. And, and he'd be like, hey, girl, I worked for you for seven years, right? And so we, we get excited about this story, thinking it's so romantic. But I think when we look a little bit deeper, we're going to find that it's not quite as romantic as it might seem. And it, it carries on and says that finally the time came to marry her. And Jacob says, I've, I've fulfilled my agreement, Jacob said to Laban. Now, give me my wife so I can sleep with her. Hold, please. If you're in the room right now and you are a single man, would you just raise your hand? I'm giving you an opportunity right now, people. Like, slip your hand up. If you're a single guy right now, I'm going to start calling you by name. If you're a single guy, I see those hands. Okay, listen. Some of you are just not even brave enough to raise your hand. This was your moment. Okay. But here's a little tip for you, all right? There may be a day that comes along where you just fall madly in love. 
and you're so in love with this woman that you are ready to make her your wife. And if you're a gentleman and you have a little bit of that in you, hopefully you're going to do the respectable thing and go and maybe talk to her father or somebody who plays that kind of a role in her life. And, and you're going to ask for her hand in marriage. Can I just give you a tip? Don't use that line. Bad news. What in the world? The Bible's got the craziest stories in it. But here we have Jacob, this young man, who he's more than just in love. He's kind of fixed all the longings of his heart for meaning, for satisfaction, for purpose, all into this one woman. And why is that? You see, if you look back at his life, if you know anything about his history up until this point, Jacob's life was empty. He spent all of his life just trying to earn his father's love, and he never got it. And there may even be some people in the room today who you can identify with that emptiness. Some of you have spent your whole life just trying to get a father's love and attention, or maybe it's a mother, I don't know, and you just feel like you never received it. You know, Jacob, he had this codependent relationship thing going on with his mom. And he had this estranged relationship with his brother. And in his mind, he thinks, I'll never see him again. Because if I were to see him again, he wants to take my life, right? And he lived in a time period in history where there was a lot of theological assumptions that were made, right? So at that time in the Bible days, they would make these assumptions that if life was good, God is with you. And if life is bad, God is not with you. Unfortunately, I think we, we sometimes make those assumptions today too, don't we? And so Jacob would have made the theological assumption that circumstantially speaking, God wasn't with him and God didn't love him. So here's this young man who has a lot of emptiness inside. And he thinks, if I could just get this one girl, it'll change everything. And I wonder... How many of you have developed a misguided pursuit for fulfillment? I wonder how many times we think, if I could just find the right spouse, I'd finally be on the right track with my life. Or if I could just have that child that I've been dreaming for and praying for, then I would feel fulfilled. Or maybe some of you are just desiring to be grandparents because you want to do better for your grandkids than you felt like you did for your own kids. Maybe some of you are feeling like if I could just accomplish these goals in my business or in my career, then I would feel fulfilled. How many of us are searching for fulfillment in the things that we do or accomplish? We're looking for these things to make us feel fulfilled on the inside and placing our expectation in the wrong thing. You know, the story continues in Genesis 29, verse 22, and it says, So Laban invited everyone into the neighborhood, and he prepared a wedding feast. But that night, when it was dark, Laban took Leah to Jacob, and he slept with her. Laban had given Leah a servant, Zilpah, to be her maid. That's just a random fact for you. And then it says, But when Jacob woke up in the morning, it was Leah. What have you done to me? Jacob raged at Laban. I worked seven years for Rachel. Why have you tricked me? 
You see, Jacob had put all of his energy, all of his life's motivation, everything he had in trying to find satisfaction and fulfillment for his soul into this pursuit of Rachel. And Laban had kind of picked up on the fact that this kid had issues and he tricked him into marrying Leah. You see what Jacob or Ryan Gosling would do here is he's about to work seven more years to marry Rachel. He's going to continue striving, continue working, whatever it takes. And he does end up marrying Rachel, and it is a mess because he placed everything in his ability to get this woman. You know, one commentator on the scripture says that this whole story is a miniature of our disillusionment because no matter what we put our hopes in, in the morning it's always Leah, never Rachel. I just wonder how many of us can identify with that where there's these things in our life, how we somehow think are going to complete us. These things that we're pursuing, that we're striving for, that we're trying to accomplish because we feel that if I can just get there, then I'll feel fulfilled. It's become our identity. We put everything into it. But then as we're putting everything into that, we discover that it's just not what we thought it was going to be. So here's this young man, Jacob, who's driven by fear and insecurity. And he's driven by a false identity that truthfully I think many of us are driven by. Because a false identity says, I'm not worthy. I am not accepted. I'm not somebody. Or maybe some of you are here this morning and you might say, I'm good with myself. I don't care if anyone likes me. And it sounds a little bit like pride, which is actually just a byproduct of insecurity. You see, every single one of us has a desire to be loved, to be chosen, to be accepted. I'm telling you, you can identify with this because not one of us in this room ever wanted to be the last one chosen for kickball, right? When you're standing out on the field choosing teams, not one of us wanted to be the last one standing there because innately inside of every single one of us, there's a desire to be loved, to be chosen, to be accepted, to be wanted, right? And all of this striving for acceptance or the pretending like it doesn't matter, it bleeds over into our faith. And then it's not just that we weren't enough for my dad to be proud of me. Or maybe you weren't perfect enough to get your husband's love. Or maybe you just feel like you weren't talented enough to be noticed by your friends. Now, now it's, I think God loves me. Or maybe I, I know in my knower that God loves me, but I'm pretty sure he's disappointed in me. You know, you feel like not only do you not measure up to the expectations of others or the expectations that you've placed on yourself, but maybe you don't measure up to God's expectations either. And if there's one thing you could remember from today, I'd want to challenge you to write this down. I am not defined by my works or others' labels, but by God's love. I am not defined by my works, by what I can do and accomplish, or by what other people say about me, their labels, but I am defined by God's love. 1 John 4, 9 says this, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. 
God showed how much he loved us by sending his only son. You know, Pastor Kerry talked about that a little bit in the worship journey today. He stood up here and he shared with you what Jesus actually did for us when he gave his life on the cross. He gave us a way to actually have relationship with God. The Bible says that sin separates us from God, and God didn't like that because God wants relationship, real relationship, not religion, not where you just walk through the motions, but actually real relationship with you and with me. And so he made a way for us to experience that by giving his only son, Jesus, who came and paid the price for our sin by giving his life on the cross. And so when we think about the cross, it is a representation of God's love. In fact, I think we have a picture of a cross we're going to put up here. When we look at the cross, we're reminded of God's love, of his grace, of his forgiveness that is available to you and me. It's a free gift. There's no cost. There's nothing we can do to earn it. It is simply God saying, I'm making a way to have relationship with you. And when we say yes to following Jesus and we begin to step into the course put our lives on track and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm grateful for the cross, for the price, the price that was paid for you, for me. When we begin to acknowledge that and we begin to put our faith in that, then we embark upon this journey of the Christian faith. And I think there's two pathways that we tend to go on. And the first pathway up here at the top is pleasing. When we say yes to following Jesus, I think so often our natural response is, okay, now I've got some work to do so that I can please God. We begin to, to think that I've got to try to get the sin issues in my life under control so that I can please God. We could also refer to pleasing as sin management, or maybe in today's terms, we'd call it behavioral management. And that idea of, I have got to begin to do things so that I can please God. It's this self-effort kind of concept. And it's one of the pathways that I think many of us choose to walk down. We say yes to Jesus, and then we think we've got to take all of this upon ourselves to please God, to get things right. And when we fail and make mistakes, because that's going to happen, then all this condemnation and shame sits heavy on our shoulders because our efforts have been in pleasing God. But there's another route that we can take, and this route is trusting. Trusting God. When I begin to trust God, when I begin to trust God's love for me, and I rehearse my trust in him, and I trust him with my mess-ups and my failures and my sin, when I begin to trust God, by default, it's pleasing to him. When I begin to trust him, by default, it's pleasing to him. You know, 1 John 4, 15 through 16 says this, All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. You see, I know that God loves me, but do you trust in the love of God? I can tell you this is somewhat of a struggle for me. I know that I know that I know that God loves me, but sometimes I struggle with trusting in the love of God. Other versions say, do you rely on the love of God? Is that love forming and shaping your identity? Or are you relying on your own performance? Or other people's perception of you? Or the accomplishments that you're striving for? When you can actually get to a place where you say, I know, 
and I rely on the love of God, you begin to understand that this is the kind of love that changes everything. It's unconditional. It will never leave you or forsake you. That's what the scripture says. And we learn that I can love other people because God's love for me. We begin to learn that I'm whole. I'm complete because of God's love. And then we can actually walk in the acceptance of the fact that I am free because of God's love. We've got to begin to understand this kind of love. You know, there's a scripture in Psalm, and it's in 139, verse 13 through 14, and maybe you've heard this before, but I just want to remind you of it today. It says this, For you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and I know it full well. You see, this scripture is this idea that you were created by God. Do you know why God loves you? Because you're his. You're his. That's the reason. You know, I want to invite my friends to come up on the stage. Their little baby is the one you're hearing in the background there. This is Jaslyn and Garrett. Give them a great big round of applause. Hey, guys. I asked them to come up and help me with something today. So I just want to take a moment and let them introduce themselves to you and introduce this little guy to you. Sure. I'm Garrett, and this is my wife, Jaslyn. And this is little baby Grayson, the future quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. For those of you that don't know, now you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And he's your son. Yes, he is. Okay, awesome. So here's, here's my question for you. If you could put it into words, how much do you love Grayson? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I would say on a scale of 1 to 10, probably like 1,000. But now, uh, joking aside, I don't think there's really a ceiling on how much we actually do love him. Um, it's all our heart, and it just continues to grow each and every day. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so here's the thing I want to ask. He doesn't do anything for you right now, right? Right. Like, in fact, I think you probably do most things for him, yes? So you feed him. You change his poopy diapers. You get up in the middle of the night when he's crying. Um, he doesn't feed himself. Um, so everything you do, you do for him. He doesn't do anything for you. Yeah. And you still love him? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's not, you know, dependent on what he can or can't do, but rather who he is to us, which is our son. So. I love it. Okay, so lastly, if Grayson, which this is hypothetical, buddy. This is not going to happen, okay? But we're just going to use it as an example here. If Grayson was to grow up yeah. and, and just really start struggling and making some poor choices and decisions, and let's just say as a young adult, Grayson said, I don't want anything to do with you anymore, Mom and Dad. And he just, like, left the house and, and was angry and struggling would you still love him? Yeah, with all our heart. Um, it might be difficult if something like that did happen, but it wouldn't change how we feel about him and how much we would love him. And I think that each and every day as we continue, there's, there's no doubt that we would ever love him less, but always love him more. So, yeah. Love it. Right, thank you guys. Give him a round of applause. Appreciate it. Are you following? You see, God saw fit 
for there to be a you in this world. It says in the scripture that he created you in your mother's womb, that he had a, a plan and a purpose for you before you were ever born. He chose you, and you are his. And I had my friends come up to the stage today to talk about their son because I think we can identify with that, the love that a parent has for their child. But sometimes we just struggle to wrap our heads around the fact that God's love far exceeds that kind of love. And I love that Garrett said, yeah, maybe if he made mistakes as he gets older, maybe it'll be challenging and maybe it'll break our heart and maybe we'll be, we'll be sad, but we could never stop loving him. I think that he said our love could only grow even more. Yet so many times we sit in a room like this and we feel like we have failed too many times for God to love us. And even more, maybe we can accept that he loves us, but it's so hard to accept that he would accept us. You see, God chose you. You are his. And he saw the need for you to be in this world, just like he saw the need for us to have the sun and the moon and the clouds, the beautiful ocean, the landscape that we so enjoy here in Southern California. God saw fit to make you because he loves you, because you're his. And there's nothing that you can do, there's nothing that I can do, there's no amount of striving, there's no amount of accomplishing that we can do that earns the acceptance and the love of Christ. And I just think that there's some people in this room who maybe you've been striving, doing, trying to accomplish, trying to be somebody, trying to receive the acceptance and approval of others because you're struggling with accepting and approving of yourself. Maybe you've skipped ahead in the freeway book because this week is all about acceptance and it asks you to circle these statements about yourself and I found myself circling almost every statement and every one of the statements to me was just defining that I don't think I'm enough. There's always something more that I could do. I could lose more weight. I could exercise more. I could be a better wife. I could be a better mom. I could be a better pastor. I could be better in spending time with God and actually reading the Bible. I, I could be better at my job. There's this constant need to be better, to strive for acceptance, to try to become something because many of us like Jacob have placed our hope in something that is not found in who God is. And we have this insatiable desire for fulfillment when God is saying he's the only one that's gonna bring complete fulfillment to our heart and our soul. But we search and we strive and we do everything we can do on our own account not realizing that we have a God who loves us just like we are. You don't have to get things perfect. You don't have to get your life in order for him to accept you. He accepts you right now in this place, in this moment. Some of you in this room are struggling with the constant need for acceptance from others to just reassure you that you're worth it. And there's some people in this room who are saying, I don't need anyone's acceptance but it's just become a convenient reply to keep people at an arm's length. 
so that you don't have to let anyone in and you don't have to get hurt. You don't have to get taken advantage of or disappointed again. But yet there's this desire to know that I'm enough. And I just want to tell you, God's word for you today is you're enough. You're loved. You are chosen. You are accepted. You know, the song we sang there at the end of service says, all my hope is in you. Mountain high, valley low, I sing out. All my hope is in you. And if we could identify what it is to fully place our hope on who Jesus is, not the acceptance of others, not the accomplishments that I can talk about, not the house I live in or the car I drive or the kids I'm raising, if we could learn to fully accept ourselves as God accepts us, we can begin to walk in freedom. So I want to take a moment and pray for some people in this room. And I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody looking around. If you're here today and you just say, you know what, I, I'm struggling a little bit with this. Maybe struggling for the, the need to feel accepted or loved. And maybe you've just been wrestling with striving and trying to do it all on your own. I, I just want to pray for you today. So if that's you, nobody's looking around. Would you just slip your hand up and slip it right back down so I know? Awesome. There's hands all over the room. All over the room. Let me pray for us right now. Lord Jesus, I just thank you, God, that you see each and every one of us today. God, you know exactly where we're at. God, you know the personal struggles, the desire to feel validated or accepted. God, you know the, the hurts and the wounds that have kept us keeping people at an arm's length. And, and God, I just pray right now in this room, God, for every single person who's here, that you would lean in close. God, I just pray that you would just reinforce your love, your acceptance. God, your words that say you're enough. You're enough, not because of what you do, but because of who you are. God, would you just begin to bring hope and life and encouragement and joy in this place today. We thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, let's we can give her a hand clap. Come on. Before, um, before we switch gears and, and go any further today, I want to just take a moment. There, there's a starting point with this whole relationship with Jesus. There's, there's a starting point with, with, with who God is. And I'm not talking about church membership. I'm not talking about any type of connect group or small group. I'm talking about just simply beginning a relationship with him, just saying yes to Jesus. It's not about osmosis. It's not about how long you've been a part of church. It's about making this decision on the inside that means something that says, you know what? It doesn't matter about my past. It doesn't matter about my story. Today, I'm saying yes to you, Jesus. And this, my friends, is a moment. And for many of us, this is challenging because of the message that Megan just preach is we often feel like we need to clean ourselves up and get rid of our past before we can get to God. But the exact opposite is true. 
The starting point is just saying yes to him, and then he's patient to work with us in the journey. And if you're here today, and you've never made this decision, perhaps you've never said yes to Jesus. In a moment, I'm gonna pray a prayer, and with no embarrassment to you, you don't have to get out of your seat, you don't even have to move, but right where you're seated, you can pray this prayer with me. And I believe God will do something miraculous in your life. And maybe you're here today, and you've been running from God. Today's the day to come back to Him. Maybe you prayed this prayer before, but today's the day to make a recommitment to Him. I believe God's going to do something fantastic. One of my favorite scriptures is found in Revelation 3.20, and it says this, that Jesus is standing at the door of our heart knocking relentlessly, tirelessly, never leaving. And he's just saying, man, if you'll open that door, I'll come in. Things won't be perfect, but life gets good. If you're here and you've never prayed this prayer in a moment, right? In the quietness of your own heart, I want to challenge you to pray this with me. If you're here and you've been running from God, today is the day to come back. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, nobody moving, nobody looking around. If you're here and you've never prayed this prayer, or maybe you prayed it a long time ago, but life has gotten a little crazy. Maybe some decisions that you've made are a little contrary to what you wanted to make, and today's the day to come running back to him, just right where you're seated. No one looking around in the quietness of your heart. Just pray this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Just say, dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me. God, I'm believing today that you accept me for who I am. I'm not perfect. I've got sin in my life. Would you forgive me, God? Right where you're seated, just make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, today I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.